0: Welcome to the Cara's Cure Show, where we explore the cutting edge of wellness for our mind, body, and spirit. I'm Kara Sundlin. Well, a new study might pique your interest. It shows a multivitamin could actually help prevent dementia. I know a lot of us take those. Dr. Carl Giordano specializes in longevity, and he's weighing in on the findings and also telling us about the latest evidence that he's found based on longevity cures for our brain, like fasting, supplements, exercise, and more. It's gonna be a fascinating conversation. We're gonna learn a lot, so thank you for being with us, doctor. You're welcome. Yeah, um, I'm, I know you've really you know, devoted so much of your scientific background to kind of finding out what drives longevity, but I wanna start with this multivitamin study. So this study actually says that taking a multivitamin could help prevent Alzheimer's and other brain diseases?
1: Yeah, and I think we don't wanna to get too far ahead of what this study is uh, claiming. But it did show a little benefit uh, with memory for those people that took a a multivitamin. And the findings of this study were in line with prior studies. There was a study in 2022 that found similar results. But I think also people need to understand that the benefit was small that was found. It wasn't a, a, a large benefit. So if we peel away some of the layers and look at some of the benefits that they identified, it was small, but what I like about the study is it brings this topic of cognitive decline and uh, any of the neurodegenerative disorders you know, back into the uh, forefront of the public.
0: Well, and often um, we feel hopeless when you hear this. Either a family mem- member's been diagnosed with a brain disease, Uh, or something to do with our brain health. Um, And and there's this thought of like, oh, we don't know anything about it, we don't know what to do. At least from where you sit, there are things that we can do, definitely, that improve our brain health. So uh, I wanna get into that, but just as far as the multivitamin, does that mean you think we should be taking them?
1: Well, I think what is nice about this study is it highlights the category of diet. I think when we talk about cognitive decline or we talk about longevity, we're talking about three categories. Exercise, diet, and I put vitamins and minerals in the diet category, and I think there's a third category that I refer to as signal molecules. Those are the three categories that people need to wrap their arms around. But look, the vitamin category is a real category. There's a lot of, you know, articles and science and research that look at the vitamins. Um, but everything I think today is judged by how certain things affect certain cellular mechanisms where the cell itself can maintain its identity. Mm. I wanna reduce this down to something that the public can really understand. But essentially, cognitive decline or, or longevity issues boil down to a cell's ability to maintain its identity and function the way it was designed to function. And when that cell loses its identity, you start to age, you start to develop cognitive decline. And this vitamin topic is whether or not you can, with vitamins, slow that process or help your, your, your cells maintain their cellular identity. Obviously, here we're talking with this recent study that was just published about brain cells, you know, neurons and glial cells. But it, ex- it extends beyond just brain cells. We're talking about every cell in your body that probably sees the same benefit and the same effect. So you know, just so the, the listeners understand, this recent study that was published, and it has gotten a lot of press, and I think that's good, but it really looked at memory, and it looked at whether or not you took a multivitamin, whether you could improve your memory. And what they found was if they gave the, uh, the people in the program these multivitamins and gave them 20 words, and then they asked them to repeat those words uh, later, they could recall one extra word. So the, the benefit was small. It wasn't big. And this is largely, obviously, just an observational study. We're giving a vitamin to a patient, and then we're observing whether their memory is better, as opposed to studies that look at what's going on directly in the cell, which is really where I most of my interest is more on the cellular level. But these types of studies, I think, are valuable. They're part of where we look at large epidemiological groups or we look at large populations of people and we try and observe some kind of clinical benefit. And and that's what they found. And they did find that the benefit of memory was improved for those people that had a history of cardiovascular disease. So people that were already compromised seemed to do a little bit better. But I think the concern that a lot of us have in medicine is when you look at a study like this about vitamins, We don't want people to lose uh, track of the idea that uh, we want you to understand in order to maintain health and cellular identity, it's just a small part of the three categories of exercise, diet, and signal molecules.
0: Yeah, so it's it's a whole thing, and and, and but, yeah. but at least it's empowering to know that um, it's not always random when our brain health deteriorates. There are things we can do to prevent it that you have yeah. uh, spent your life studying. Let's talk a little yeah. bit about the food. There was another study that olive oil can improve brain health. We know from all the books on the blue zone and the Mediterranean diet, a lot of science yeah. that does help people with longevity. Specifically, I know at Yale, they're even doing some olive oil studies. Can you tell us more about that?
1: Yeah, I think the olive oil studies are are very interesting. You know, they have shown that the olive oil influences uh, some of the brain protein metabolism, the tau proteins, uh, and it has had some observational benefits with memory and cognition, as well as in mice studies where they will try and condition a mouse to do certain things. They give them olive oil, and they see if the mouse can remember certain things at a better sequence. There's also a, a very popular Study called the MICOIL study, which was a clinical trial in humans with mild cognitive impairment, where they gave them three and a half tablespoons of olive oil a day, and they actually, through blood work, could see improved biomarkers, and they could also observe improvement in cognitive uh, function. So, whether or not, and, and again, like it's what is it about the olive oil? It's it's basically the antioxidant capability of the olive oil. And the antioxidants probably help prevent uh, cellular damage through free radicals. So again, on a cellular level, it makes sense. The olive oil also uh, is very low in omega-3 fatty acids. And you know through seed oils in our diet today, fried foods especially, we are altering our cell membranes by having foods that are high in omega-6 fatty acids. Uh, olive, what's, what's nice about olive oil is it has a very low composition of omega-6 fatty acids, and the seed oils have a very high concentration of omega-6 fatty acids. And what people need to understand is these fatty acids in your diet get incorporated into every cell membrane of your body. Every cell membrane is is controlling so much when, when you've got omega-6 fatty acids as a pay, opposed to the high omega-9 fatty acids found in olive oil, you're at greater risk for free radical damage to that cell membrane, the free radicals damage your DNA. And again, you can see how you get this cascade of losing cellular identity as the cell loses its function. So the olive oil field I think is very well established in terms of having benefits for a variety of things, not just cognitive decline, but the entire longevity uh, category. Where we want to, you know, improve our health span and our lifespan. So I, I, I enjoy reading about all of the olive oil studies.
0: Yeah. Well, hey, you know, if you live in Greece, you do shots of olive oil every day. Starbucks is talking about putting it in your coffee. So let me ask yeah. you as we move on to some of the specifics. But as a longevity expert, what are hmm. some things that you eat every day and things that you would never eat?
1: Yeah. So I think you know, looking at you know most of the diet topics. The Mediterranean diet seems to be the most highly correlated with longevity. And I think what people don't understand is the the Mediterranean diet is a low-protein, high-complex carbohydrate diet. It is basically a plant-based food diet. The fish and the meat in the Mediterranean diet that we're talking about is low fish, low meat consumption. And I think people are getting confused about what a Mediterranean diet is. It is basically a Largely plant-based, you know, diet: nuts, legumes, beans, you know, salads, greens, vegetables, those types of things. Uh, so, look, I-, I am largely plant-based, largely devoted to a Mediterranean-type diet. Very little meat in my in my diet today. The things that I absolutely try and avoid are all the seed oils, uh, all of the fried foods. The problem with fried food is they're fried basically in seed oils, and the seed oils, when they're you know heated again and again, like you see in a, a frying basket in a, in a pan of oil, the seed oils then becomes oxidized, and you're creating lots of toxic side effects of those oils, and you start ingesting those. So I think people you know, have to stop with this idea that fried food is fun, it's associated with picnics. There is nothing good about fried food. I don't think any segment of the population should kid themselves that fried food should be part of their diet. And I think we've learned this over the years. And when fried food started you know, 100 years ago, we didn't understand it, but we understand it now. And I think that message has to get out to the public at, at a young age. Because all of these changes that are occurring throughout our body are occurring over a slow, slow period of time. And because it's hard to measure, people think it doesn't make a difference. I'll tell you one other interesting fact. It used to be that our omega-6 to omega-3 ratio of of fatty acids in our body was 1 to 1 on average. Um, And today, it's felt to be anywhere from 15 to 1 to 20 to 1. So, we are changing the cell membrane in every cell in our body. You know, whether we're talking about cognitive decline or Alzheimer's, or whether talking about health span or lifespan in any category, you know, staying athletic, uh, you know, having good cardiovascular function, you know, everything is related to how we are altering and affecting our cellular mechanisms.
0: Well, you could fry in olive oil. It's just you, to, you little pan fry in olive oil. Would that be okay? No, you, I, I know. Most, it's most most
1: people don't fry, you know, French fries in olive oil. No, right. No, because it, it, it takes on a different flavor. And yeah. look, you, you can cook and fry with olive oil, but you just don't want to get to a smoke point where you're burning the olive oil, because even olive oil burnt will degrade.
0: Yeah. So
1: you just can't, you can't get to that smoke point of any olive oil, uh, of any oil. But the worst oils are the seed oils.
0: So I just want to clarify, because seed oils, there's so much confusion about oil, and then we'll move on to some of these ways that we can yeah. actually stimulate our brain. Now. When you say seed oils, like what do you mean? Um, I think America, most Americans, if they're not buying olive oil, which hopefully you've switched over, I know from all the doctors, naturopathic physicians we have on the show, um, I pretty much just have olive oil in my house. I bake with olive oil. I, I just only have olive oil. But if you have normally people have wesson they like corn oil or they have they think it's healthier to get grapeseed oil um or so what are the what are the ones we when you say seed what are the ones you're worried about sure
1: so all of these are vegetable oils uh then you've got you know the plant vegetable oils like uh, olive oil like avocado oil like palm oil those are out of from a plant then you've got everything else in the seed category sunflower oil, grape seed oil, all of those, you know, sesame oil, all of them. Think about it. You've got like a dry seed. How are you extracting oil out of that? So first of all, there's a lot of processing involved in making seed oil. Okay. Um, Like even corn oil. What's that?
0: Even corn oil, like Wesson or the- Yeah, Yeah. corn oil,
1: exactly, all of them. Not only is there a lot of processing that's harmful, the, the oil that's extracted itself is very high in omega-6 fatty acids, which is what we don't want. We have too many of them in our diet. We don't need that many. You get omega-6 fatty acids that your body requires just through plants and seeds, chia seeds, walnuts. You know, they're all natural omega-6 fatty acids. What we don't want is to just 15-fold increase are omega-6 fatty acids, which what's occurring with uh, the seed oils. So just to give your listeners an idea, the omega-6 fatty acids has two double bonds in it. The omega-3s has three double bonds. And the more double bonds you have, the more unstable the oil and the more likely it is to spoil or become oxidized. And when it becomes oxidized, it creates free radicals. Mm-hmm. It's the absolute thing we don't want. We don't want extra free radicals in our body because the free radicals are damaging your cell wall, they're damaging your DNA, they're damaging everything. They're creating inflammation, whether it's neuroinflammation with cognitive decline, or whether it's uh just generalized aging throughout your body. I think you know, people have to understand when we talk about longevity and health span, you know. It's hard to to pick one cell of your body to talk about, whether right. it's the brain cell or the muscle cell. All of these cells have the exact same DNA in them, and you are affecting the longevity of a cell. Your and the cells make up tissues, the tissues make up organs. We're talking about affecting your organs. You know, your your skin is the largest organ in your body, and you know you get wrinkles. You know from all of these you know oxidative reactions that are occurring. So. Everything is reduced down to a cellular level. And that's why there are no good seed oils that you need in your in your diet today. Okay. So that's the information that we know. And it is confusing. Even my wife recently said to me, Well, what about sesame oil? I think sesame oil is good. And I said, No, sesame oil has just as much. Uh, omega-6 fatty acids as all the other oils.
0: Yeah. So I I actually uh, had sesame oil, and I thought that was a good choice. But, uh, you know, when I was making something Asian, I'm like, oh, good, I've got pure sesame oil from Whole Foods and all. But, hey, so one simple change, you know, um, and that's nice. If you go to a Mediterranean country like Italy, you realize there aren't a lot of choices. They don't have a lot of stress. They just put olive oil and vinegar on the table, and that's it. But that's what you're saying. That's basically what we need, We just to have the olive oil, and we're good to go. Um, But
1: the problem is, you know, fried food is, not fried with olive oil because it right. takes on a slightly different flavor. Some of these seed oils are popular because they don't spoil as quickly so you can keep them longer. You can reuse them multiple times and it doesn't change the flavor like in a frying basket with fr- like with french fries where they're dipping you know multiple baskets into that same oil and each time they heat the oil it degrades further. Yeah. Aldehydes are created, toxins are created, and they get incorporated into the French fry, then you start eating it. So, so I think people, if, if they really want to impact the chronic diseases that are exploding today, they need to make some basic lifestyle changes. And you know what's nice about this vitamin article that just came out is it brings light to this topic. Yeah. But a lot of colleagues have said, what we don't want is for people to think they can take a pill and bypass the lifestyle changes that have to be made. For sure, just
0: a nice little insurance policy if you get a, and you gotta get a high quality vitamin too. But I wanna make sure you have time to talk about this. There are concrete ways to stimulate our brain health and maintain cognitive health. Much like we go train our bodies at the gym, there are things we can do. You say like fasting, nutrition, Um, you've actually created your own supplement. I know you wouldn't say it's, there's no such thing as just one magic pill, but tell us about, uh, some of these things we can do to stimulate and increase our cognitive health.
1: Yeah, so basically, what I'm looking to do is maintain cognitive health, maintain you know the, the cellular identity of every cell in your body—not just your brain cell, but your muscle cell, your tendon cell, your joint cell. Everything today, I think, need to be need to be viewed in terms of maintenance. We need to try and maintain the cell functioning the way it was designed to function. Like we talk about cognitive decline, and you you have cells in your brain that help clear debris, that help repair cells that are damaged from free radicals. And we need those repair cells to maintain their identity so they can do their job. Likewise, we need every cell in our body, whether it's a brain cell or a heart cell or a skin cell, to maintain its identity so that it can do its job. When they start to dysfunction those areas of your body start to age. So the things that we all should focus on today is on a cellular level. What are we dealing with to help maintain our cellular identity? And there are a lot of new breakthroughs in this information. And sadly, some of these are not new. Some of these are 20 years old, but people, you know, just don't follow the science. And I think they get lost with the idea that it's complicated and they don't think it's measurable and they don't think it makes a difference. But on a cellular level, there are absolutely things that can be done. Uh, you may have heard of these three longevity genes that we are able to manipulate. Um, and those three longevity genes, but certain signal molecules, we can nudge those in our favor. Okay. We also uh, need certain antioxidants in our bodies on a daily level. Um, we need to manage our glucose level uh, to maintain a, a healthy, normal level and not not deal with the spikes that we see largely from the diets that we you know have adopted over the last 100 years with sugars and and, uh, comp- and non-complex carbohydrates.
0: So what about intermittent fasting? A lot of people are trying it. Is that something that has scientific basis to uh, turn back the biological clock?
1: Yeah. So there has been some controversy about whether that will have effect, positive effects in humans. But I don't think any que- there's any question that Uh, intermittent fasting stimulates the recycling of misfolded proteins in your cell. And that process medically is called autophagy. So intermittent fasting definitely stimulates the autophagy pathway. Uh, Now, there are other signal molecules that can also stimulate the autophagy pathway. And I think it's nice to introduce those into your diet. But I think, yes, you absolutely want to Try and do as much intermittent fasting as you can because there's a lot of science behind it. Um, the hard part about this is how do you measure it? You know, people today want a blood test, they want to see a benefit. Like, well, you how do can you take measure a, you your can aging take a, slower?
0: I've done stories where you can take a telomere test. I know you write about telomeres. Yeah. Are those legitimate? So, do they work? Do they yeah. give us an idea?
1: Yeah, so there's two ways you can measure your biological age. You know, The length of your telomere or your DNA methylation pattern or what's referred to as the Horvath clock. And I, I personally have sent my DNA off for biological aging and, and I came back 10 years younger than my chronologic age. Wow. Now I will tell you, my wife actually came back 16 years younger than her chronologic age.
0: Can you tell us how old you and- are? Do you share that? <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, I, I'm 62.
0: Wow, you look great. You look great even here on Thank Zoom. You. But okay, so uh, before we run out of time, so that's amazing. So obviously people don't know well, how do yeah. you do that. So you've created something called Rebesana, um, R-E-B-E-S-A-N-A. For those who are listening, I encourage you to Google it. It actually yeah. is a supplement, and you specifically put things in it. You say that combine these molecules that will help us maintain our cellular strength.
1: Yes. Yeah, so the five molecules that have had publications, you know, in the thousands are N-M-N nicotinamide mononucleotide, uh, berberine, which is helping to maintain your blood sugar, gets a lot of publicity today, astragalus, which helps maintain your telomere, resveratrol and quercetin, with, which cross the blood-brain barrier and hopefully will help maintain brain function. But they're all flavonoids. They're all powerful polyphenols. Uh, that not only work as antioxidants, but they also work at that cellular genetic level to nudge those three longevity genes that get get a lot of publicity today. So my my recommendation is to, yes, whether you use a product like mine or whether you try and get these individually on your own, you need to have a certain dose of them to see the, the benefits that we're looking for, primarily because not all of it that you ingest gets absorbed so you need to have a certain milligram dose and you need to take them all at once because they all have synergistic and complementary effects
0: okay so is there anyone who i mean will these interact with people will say does it interact with my medication will i have any side effects um how do i take this
1: yeah so ideally you would take them at least uh, twice a day or three times a day, you know, you divide the doses up throughout the day. If, if you can take them all at once, that's fine, too. The bottom line is you want to get them into your system on a daily level. Um, they all have tremendous track records that are uh, very safe. They've been Some of these have been used for over a thousand years, like berberine. So the track record on them is all extremely safe. The, the likelihood that they're going to interact with medications is low, but obviously if somebody's got health issues and they've got they're on medications. They should certainly feel free and comfortable talking to their medical doctor about whether there's any contraindication. But by and large, they're all extremely safe with very few side effects of any kind. Uh, I think the berberine may be the only one that could be a little upset stomach, but um, I think they're, they're all worth taking.
0: Okay, so, uh, and some people would rather get it from food. Um, let me ask you a question that is very controversial right now. So, Reservatoire, we hear that that, you know, we, we see it in the beauty world, we hear about it in wine, but yet we also hear alcohol is terrible for longevity. So, what's the rule? Is, is wine good for us, not good for us? Stay away from alcohol, it ages you, or uh-huh. actually has some benefits.
1: Well, first of all, the doses that I'm talking about in Rebasana are not doses you can get from just eating the plant-based foods. Okay. So, as an example, the resveratrol in Rebasana, you would need about 110 glasses of wine a day oh, in order to get the same benefit. So, we're, you know, now there is a paradoxical response in the French population where this topic of resveratrol came out. You know, they seem to do well with regards to cardiovascular disease, despite having a high fat diet and a high smoking uh, history. But there probably are other polyphenols in red wine where they see benefits from drinking the red wine. But no, you can't drink enough red wine to get the same benefits that we're talking about. Now, with regards to alcohol, I don't want to burst anybody's bubble, but alcohol is a toxin. Uh, alcohol is one of the things that's associated with cognitive decline and, and accelerated aging. You know, I think there's no question alcohol accelerates this process of aging. You know, it's something like Rebasan is designed to reverse or slow down the process of aging, uh, decelerate it, so to speak. But look, I, I recognize the public is not giving up alcohol. Uh, it's completely ingrained, people need to realize probably in moderation is probably reasonable. Um, But yeah, alcohol is a, there is is no health benefit. What's that?
0: There's no health benefit is what you're saying. Because a lot of people think, oh, I'm I'm preventing heart disease. I'm preventing all these things. If I have a drink a day or a glass of wine a day in your science, that's not backed up.
1: No, I mean, look, alcohol is the the waste product of fermentation. It's a toxin. (laughs) Uh, There is just, you want to drink it, you can drink it. You should just be educated and know what you're drinking. Like when people say it doesn't make a difference, you know, my mother had a glass of wine every day for 70 years and she lived to be 95. What they don't realize today is probably 20% of your health span is related to the genes you got from your parents. 80% of, of your health today is designed and related to how you influence your genetics throughout your life, what your environmental exposures are, your toxins, and you know, our grandparents lived in a different environment. You know, there was a better, you know, uh, ozone layer. There were less microplastics in the environment. There were less toxins in the food and preservatives. So, the way your parents lived may not impact how you're living. Like we see today, Alzheimer's alone is doubling in terms of its death over the last decade. Yeah. You no, know, we we see real changes in chronic diseases. I watched the Super Bowl, and there was a commercial that said one out of two Americans will get cancer today. I mean, I I don't know how you felt, but I was ready to hit somebody. Like I'm not accepting that. Right. Nobody should.
0: No, it's great to know, and, and it's great to have people out there devoted their lives to science like you are to tell us how to reverse this. Um, we do definitely have a lot more toxins in our world. I want to uh, shout out your website. It's rebisana.com. And as we close here, some takeaways. I always like to say takeaways, but hey, stop eating fried food. Make olive oil a part of your diet. Have that glass of wine if you want to, but don't say it's healthy. So, Dr. Giordano, uh-huh. thank you for being with us and for educating us about these three genetic pathways of longevity.
1: Great. Thank you, Kara. It was a pleasure being with you.
0: With you, too. Thank you all for watching, and you can follow me on Kara Sundlin on all social media platforms for more information on wellness. Have a great day, everyone, and be well.